In Dozy Dotes and Little Lambsy Divey, you're listening to episode 68 of the Splat House Podcast. I'm Mike D, one of your hosts. Your other host, Ms. Sarah Quakendall, she is out for the evening. Yeah, you've heard us talk about it before. She is starring in a new show in uh, San Francisco at Awesome Theater over at the uh, the Piano Fight stage called Let's Kill Jessica. Just opened to some great reviews. Um, I'm going to be out there next week, but she unfortunately can't sit in with us tonight. But I am very excited about tonight's show because we have a very special guest host. Um, I'm not going to beat around the bush too much longer. I want to jump right into it. He's a, he's a nice fellow. He makes some great movies and he knows some cool people. It is Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing, Liam? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Sorry to drag you down here, man. Bitch. There he is. I know it's been tough on both of you since Rose passed. Well, at least he's got you. And you even want to hear my side? You are so much smarter than this. Christ knows you didn't get that from me.
Uh, Liam is the writer-director of Beyond Skyline, the current writer-director of Skylines, the, the uh, third film in the trilogy, and he, of course, um, co-wrote the, the first film there. But Liam also is around here tonight to talk about another movie that we'll get to later called Portals, which I believe opens at the end of this month, right? That's correct. October 25th, uh, limited theater and VOD everywhere. The, the first thing I want to get out of the way, Liam, is because uh, years ago when I first learned your name, I, I saw Skyline when it came out in 2010, but uh, it wasn't until the sequel Bless you. where, you know... <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm one, I'm one of, I'm one of the 17 people. Yeah. But right. it wasn't until it wasn't until the sequel where I took notice of your name because uh during that time I had known another person now uh related, you know, to film studies and whatnot named Liam O'Donnell. And at first I thought, "Oh shit, Liam uh from Eric Roberts' is the fucking man wrote and directed a movie?" But uh that is indeed not the case. No, no. Although we, you know, we we found we do have some similar tastes, and it is kind of funny around the same age, uh, and and he's also now a uh, a, a young father as well. Uh, but yeah, I've kind of I've been mistaken for him for about uh, ten years online. And it's always kind of a little fun game that we do back and forth. It is. I saw you pop into a conversation. Uh, he and his co-host, Eric Roberts, is the fucking man we're having. And you, ju- or you jumped in at Doug or something and said, uh, I heard you and I have an Eric Roberts-related podcast together. But, um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it does beg the question. Liam O'Donnell, is Eric Roberts the fucking man? He's fantastic. I was the best part of the cable guy, without a doubt. And I, and I fucking <laughs> love the cable guy. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, where he's playing the uh, the twins in the made-for-TV movie. Yeah, he's so good, so good. With the that, that shot of him with the rosary. Yes. Yeah, with the shotgun. <laughs> no, he's he's an amazing actor. I've been on that show a couple times, and uh, yeah, I know you're a friend of Cinepunk, so that's really cool. Great. But um, you know, we you and I have had our. Uh, you know, misconnections over the last couple of weeks we've been trying to get together, um, but a couple of things have come up. One of the things that's been coming up for you is you are currently in the throes of editing the the third Skyline movie. That's right. That's right. I think I think I screwed up the naming conventions. It, it probably should have been the second one was Skylines and the, the third was Beyond Skyline. But, uh, you know, I, I'm making it up as I go. Uh, but that's part three's <laughs> title as of right now is uh, Skylines. Yeah. Now I saw Netflix. They have a show I think that just came out called Skylines. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. They there was a there was a little bit of a back and forth, and uh, we were just kind of like, well, you know, we we've been making these movies for ten years, and uh, you know, good luck. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you could always do that move that these superhero movies do nowadays, where you just put the article in front of the other title. You could just say the Skyline. We could, uh, you know, I, I mean, in some, it's, it's funny cause the, 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 you know, it, it, because of their, their, their sort of like, uh, foreign sales movies that each, each one had a different title in different places for the first one. Like it was called horizon capture or something in Japan. And so horizon capture. Yeah. And so I think the sequel is like retake the horizon or something for beyond skyline and, uh, I think Horizon was a word that came up in a lot of different uh, territories. So, uh, you know, it'll be Skyline 3 in some places. It'll it'll be different titles all around. It just kind of – I've, I've kind of learned to let go of that stuff a little bit uh, at this stage. <laughs> 
Yeah, there because a lot of times now when we have this global film market, the the titles that are being used in other countries sometimes come back and are the more famous component of like the marketing campaign even in the U.S. Like um, Edge of Tomorrow, right? What a weird title for a movie. Exactly. And then live, they marketed live, die, it with Live Die Repeat, yeah. right? And then I think that's what they want to call the new one is Live Die Repeat again or something like that well it, yeah it was but, even uh, weirder than that because then they they just kind of started making it that live die repeat was the tagline and it just kept getting bigger and bigger on all of their artwork until it just became uh-huh. the title it was uh you know but i it is a better title so you know good for them it, it is definitely a better title of those two but the the original story was called um all you need is kill i think yeah and i think that's a pretty provocative title but i, th- I guess i thought so that too can't be your yeah, <laughs> it just yeah. I, I guess it doesn't it doesn't say the um the 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 concept. Well, I could see why the studio you know had trouble with it because it doesn't say the you know the, that that kind of repeating concept, and that's what they always want in these titles. It's 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 a whole headache. But um, so I, I get why they change it to Edge of Tomorrow, but Edge of Tomorrow does sound like a a, a soap opera. Um, one reason I wanted to have you on today, my, my initial thought was, oh my God, if I could get Liam on the horn and just talk to him throughout, uh, throughout my viewing of Beyond Skyline, my second or third or fourth viewing. <laughs> so I, like, I, I just sit, make, I just sit here while you watch it and ask me questions, but, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. but I don't I watch make, it. Like, <laughs> no, well you, you could, you could be like, Hey dude, why is this call going on so long? And I'm like, Oh, I'm at minute 24 of beyond skyline. But what I would be doing is capturing a, like a de facto commentary. Cause we didn't get that on this, this last movie. And I enjoy your commentary, sir. Uh, uh the, uh, the commentary on skyline is, is pretty great. I, they, they really, they fed, they gave us a bunch of Modellos, uh, Joshua Cortez and I, and they were just like, yeah, go for it. And I, yeah, I mean, that was kind of at the, still in the in the in a really great uh time for commentaries where you actually got to go to you know a a, a proper uh stage and and record it uh yourself and now it's kind of like you, you just do it at your house uh kind of like a podcast um and, right. and put it online yourself and so i did uh i did say i would do it and and for whatever reason i i, I did do uh a deleted scene and a deleted scene commentary, which I put on the Facebook page for beyond skyline. And I think it's on YouTube as well. So, uh, there, there's oh, a little cool. bit out there and that, yeah, that was like more, that was more work than actually doing a commentary. And then afterwards I was like, yeah, I'm, I'll take a break. Cause I, I watched it maybe like 20 times during that festival run. Um, uh, but it would be fun to do it, uh, and possibly, you know, soon uh when we're we're leading up to the release of uh of part three. Oh sure yeah because you're gonna get that trilogy box set <laughs> that coveted uh <laughs> that coveted it's, item it's, all filmmakers want the fucking trilogy it's so hilarious that it, that it's even called the trilogy because i i, I kind of don't see it that way but um but yeah my friends were making fun of me for that they're like you have a trilogy like, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's definitely a series like um you know in this day and age, it's so hard to get any movies made, and uh, you know, for whatever reason, sequels are easier. Um, not even easier; it's still really, really hard. But they get made, so um, you know, I, I I just keep making them for as long as as someone is is willing to uh, finance them. Sure, they're they're a hell of a, they're a hell this? of a lot of fun, you know. 
would you do this then a bit like you said it's not necessarily a trilogy so do you see it as like Michael Apted makes the seven up series you know where he revisits <laughs> the characters every seven years <laughs> would you are you willing to come in and out of the skyline every few years just to catch uh, back up with Rose and of course of course yeah it 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 it's it's not it's not anything I mean and I I think that's just the way you know kind of a lot of series are now anyways it it just seems like um but I think with this latest one not to get too into it but the fact that you know we kind of jumped years ahead with a a new character uh you know that and, and I kind of switched the genres it's all like I think of all of the the one of the the properties of these movies is that they're a genre mash and the first one was like a zombie film structure and kind of tone with the alien invasion sci-fi thing. And then the second one had, I mean, it was like a kitchen sink of genre mashes with like war of the worlds, uh, you know, apocalypse now, um, predator, obviously the martial arts influence, kaiju and stuff like that. So, um, and this next one is a little bit more of like, um, it's a post-apocalyptic, space mission movie but we still kind of bring in some of the things that uh we had a lot of fun with in the other movies like um like there's there's definitely still flavors of the martial arts and and kind of big crazy monsters and 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 of course some new monsters along the way so uh if i can just keep kind of doing them in this with this amount of freedom and continuing to mix in new genres and tell new stories and explore new characters then you know why not yeah of course why not um, before we get too far away from it, your co-writer on, I think you said your co-writer on the first film, Josh, right? Yeah, Joshua Cordes. He, um, yeah, he he said, uh, or you said in your relationship, your writing relationship, he's the one who's a bit more into like the horror films or the genre films, right? I, I think this was on the commentary. Or yes. maybe it was. Yeah, um, he was definitely, yeah. he was definitely more of the horror guy uh, and I was more of the... I'd say still more of a of an action and and sci-fi guy. And back then, I was more kind of uh, of a high concept guy. Like I, I came at stories from like the high concept pitch, and I think that's like trying to evolve from trying to. There was just like a weird, almost. Uh, I don't know if it if it's all just immature, but like a, this this. I always wanted to do something that I I hadn't seen before. And sometimes that meant like just kind of doing completely weird structures and and weird endings and 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 maybe not quite uh, as satisfying as as uh, you know doing kind of a little bit more of a um, traditional narrative that you then spin more. Um, but that was kind of where my head was at when I started out. I mean, I, I feel you definitely achieved that with uh, Beyond Skyline, which, um, I mean, I alluded to it earlier, but I certainly enjoy Beyond Skyline uh, much more than the, the first uh, picture. Beyond Skyline is so fun. Like, it, it's got a wild cast. It's got um, definitely bigger-than-itself special effects. It, it just has this playful tone to it. Like you said, with the, um, uh, with the time jump at the end, where oh, you, yeah. ca- you came up with this coda that takes the movie into a whole nother uh um what, what am i trying to say you take the story just completely to the next level and then you just leave it there and we'll, we'll talk about that for the third one and if that plays into it but you do this thing at the end of the movie which i thought was pretty pretty incredible given the tone of beyond skyline where you have a very polished like blooper reel <laughs> showing yeah. 
showing the uh, the actors in a, like their natural state, like you know, shooting the uh, the film and having them kind of break that fourth wall while they smile or something goes wrong with the alien suit or something. And I thought it was so goddamn charming that you get these like little moments like that it, that you wouldn't necessarily get in a big um, high stakes action movie like this. And what what uh, where did that come from? Well, it, it's funny you say that. It's funny um, that you. Uh, well, thank you, first of all, but like that you picked up on on some of the tone stuff because, and that was always uh, when I was at festivals. It, you know, they're, they're they're the best audiences that you're ever going to get for your movie, and I could always tell within like the first you know ten or fifteen minutes if they were kind of giggling at certain things or, or kind of uh, like ah at, at certain references and homages whether it was going to go well or not. And I think the people that you know love what the movie is is kind of drawing from are are obviously its best audience but there was it to me it was always kind of supposed to be a little bit more playful than sometimes it did because frank is just so authentic and so gritty and so intense that like there was a there was a little bit more there was a couple more like kind of john mcclain ish one-liners and stuff like that that didn't end up making the cut because the rest of it was so intense. So there was kind of um, less of a of a playful tone than I originally saw for the movie, and so I was always like, ah, this, it, it, I, I didn't want it to, people to think it was so self serious because uh, you know, like I'm cracking up after almost every take that we did in that movie. It's like, he's delivering a baby in this hallway and like, <laughs> and he's playing with the, you know, with the, our, our great suit actor, Jeremy Fitzgerald is in the suit as the alien. And like, I just would always find it to be so hysterical. Like that this Italian dude from New York is this cop, you know, he's obviously a cop in LA in the movie, but it, you know, it is dealing with this alien on the ship and he's making it real. Like that is, it, it was like a magic trick, but it also tickled me. So there was just that like feeling of like, I, I wanted to, to kind of, um, to crack a little bit of that at the end and show everybody that like how much fun, you know, it, it was and how much we enjoyed ourselves and that like this, there's a little bit of uh, awareness without it being tongue in cheek. And, uh, and it just, and it just so happened that, like, you know, these stilts and the aliens uh, were so <laughs> freaking hard to shoot with, and they fall over so much. And it doesn't hurt uh, Jeremy or the other guys in there because it's like they're in this full pad. Like, it's a big, thick um, foam la- latex pad. So you don't have to feel guilty about laughing at them, like, hitting the ground. <laughs> it, it just looks hilarious. So uh, we were just like, man, these things just look like they're drunk aliens. So let's uh, let's cut something together. And it was something uh, that we kind of did um, towards the end, and, and we're like, "This isn't actually going to be in there." But then we threw it on, and and everybody loved it. And so we're like, "Okay, great. This is a little bit of a mix of like the end of Predator, where they turn and look to the camera, and they're all smiling with the gag reel." Was kind of what I wanted to do. No, I mean, uh, achievement unlocked. It it uh, it got me right there. I loved it because um, usually at the end of a big action movie like that, they save the the title reveal at the end, like a big dramatic like swelling score and it says it, it would say like beyond skyline but here you you put it over the alien like hitting his head on the ship and right i just thought right. it was uh, yeah like he comes out and then he just falls over and and, he, and then he gets up and he goes oh fuck and uh and it was like okay <laughs> that that's kind of like uh you know we're doing the best we can here but we're 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 drunk and we're falling apart yeah it's cute 
Um, so it was Medellos for the commentary of Skyline. What was it when you went out? You went out over the weekend, right? We were gonna record a little bit, but you're like, oh, I forgot I had a beer date. What? Where do you? Where do you get beer, man? What do you drink? I like to hey, look. I I feel like I am a little ahead of this certain curve because I could just couldn't do the IPAs anymore. It was just. I like to drink in like a quantity. Like I, I like to have like three to four beers when I have a beer and I just can't do it if it's like these, you know, double IPA, all that stuff. So I, I got off of that. A few Can I make a guess? Can I make a guess real quick? Yeah, Can I make sure. a guess? Are you a Sours guy now? No, no. Even more basic. Oh. You're thinking I'm way too. Oh, wow. I, I'm a, I'm a Pilsner and I'm a lager guy and the, I, but the, there you the, go. There's these craft loggers now. Like uh, I, we were just in Lithuania um, for shooting skylines this summer, and there's like a, these Vilnius loggers, and they're different crafts that they're all making all these loggers, which I didn't see around. Like I, I wouldn't say that I'm a connoisseur, but I, I felt like every brewery I was going at to a, a few years back, it was just all IPAs. But now it seems like they're kind of giving a, a little bit more a love to the lighter uh, flavored stuff, and so. That's usually my uh, my weapon of choice. Is just uh, I like I like a, a a kind of moderate alcohol uh, percentage so that I can drink uh, a couple and get a get a good buzz and and enjoy the actual act of drinking it. Sure, some of those IPAs are like drinking a loaf of bread. It's yeah, just a it's very too much. unpleasant experience. But in the Bay Area, it still seems like every fucking like gastro pub is just IPA or or like the um, the saison where they put all the Spice in there? Oh my goodness! I can't. There's even. A, I'm a logger. There's logger a, guy too. I'm are like, you really? Okay, so then there is yeah. like uh, Golden Road is a, is a good LA brewery, and they have this Wolf Pup Session IPA, which is kind of a you know it's a sessions one, so it's a low alcohol, and it has just a nice uh, enough bite in the taste. I like that one a lot. But they have this 329 Lager, which is like kind of just the best um, summer beer. Uh, that's besides the Cervezas. I do enjoy Modelo. It's just a good go-to yeah. uh, fridge beer. Sure. In, in the Bay Area, they call Modelo water. <laughs> just have it around. I should move, then, I should move there. <laughs> and then diet water is the Tecate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was the go-to house party. Uh, it's like, it, you know, you, you can get all the fancy stuff you want, but you better get a 30 rack at Takata just in case. So I ask all this, um, just to get to my real question, which is, did you get to drink beer with Frank Grillo? After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey there, Splat House listeners. This is Patrick Bromley from F This Movie, back in the Splat House to talk about a cool fucking actor, Mr. Frank Grillo, and here to recommend a couple of cool Frank Grillo movies. The first Frank Grillo movie I'll recommend is The Purge Anarchy, which is the sequel to The Purge, and my favorite of The Purge franchise. To me, this is the one that gets everything right, and a big part of the reason why I love it is because Frank Grillo is such a badass in the movie. 
He's a guy out for revenge on Purge Night, and uh, this is the movie that, to me, really put Frank Grillo on my radar as a guy to watch. I had seen him in a bunch of stuff at that point, including The Grey and a bunch of other movies, but this was the one where Frank Grillo became a guy I enjoyed seeing pop up and stuff to a guy uh, that I will I will now see a movie specifically because Frank Grillo is in it. And it's the movie that uh, taught us that really Frank Grillo should have been cast as The Punisher. My next film is the first of two Netflix movies I'm going to recommend, and I'm stealing this one from my friend Mike, who's a huge fan of this movie, and that is uh, 2017's Wheelman, written and directed by Jeremy Rush, where Frank Grillo plays a getaway driver, uh, once again out to find out who double-crossed him and out for revenge. Uh, less violent than The Purge Anarchy, but still a cool movie, and the reason I'm recommending it is because it's one of those movies like Tom Hardy in Locke that puts Frank Grillo behind the wheel of a car and then basically keeps him there the entire movie. So he's really the whole show here instead of, uh, like in The Purge Anarchy, he's a big part of the movie, but he's essentially one part of the movie. Wheelman, he is the show. And uh, it's a great, great starring turn from him and part of the partnership that he has going with Joe Carnahan, who produced the movie, uh, and watching those two continually collaborate since The Grey has been really, really cool. My third and final... Frank Grillo recommendation is a movie from just this year, and it's another Netflix movie uh, called Point Blank. It's a remake of a French film directed by my boy Joe Lynch. I'm a huge, huge, huge Joe Lynch fan and eagerly await every new movie that he directs. Uh, Frank Grillo plays, in this one, a criminal who teams up with Anthony Mackie playing a nurse um, to once again get back at some people who wronged him and rescue uh, Anthony Mackie's wife. And, uh, again, it's just, it's great to see two cool actors bouncing off one another. Frank Grillo gives really good hardened criminal, you know, he's, he's great at that kind of a role cause he's so charismatic, but he's such a tough guy in that kind of seventies tradition that doesn't exist much anymore. He's really a throwback to like the Lee Marvins and the Charles Bronsons. And, uh, he's such a believable badass in the movie and I just love everything that Joe Lynch does. So, uh, those are my three Frank Grillo recommendations. Cool actor, a guy I will see in basically any movie. Uh, thanks to Mike and Sarah for letting me do these quick recommendations. And now back to the splat house. Sure. He's not, uh, as, as much of a beer drinker. Uh, he likes, uh, a, a, a particular type of rosé. He, he's uh, you know, oh, he's a rosé, brosé. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely he's definitely drank beer. We've had beers, but he's um, you know the, he's very uh, health conscious, and he found uh, a particular type of rosé that's uh, fairly low calorie. That is his uh, weapon of choice. <laughs> he, found, he found a diet rosé. That is <laughs> skinny girl, skinny skinny Frank rosé. Yes. I know this. Oh my gosh! You know how much money he would make the skinny Frank Rosé, and it comes in uh what what, what what am I saying a pant leg from like a skinny jean? You know how he wears the the jeans and like the uh, right. If it were uh, him, it would have to be movies like and stuff. Yeah, it'd have to be like in a shotgun, maybe a, <laughs> maybe a boxing glove that you crack the thumb open and you drink the the rosé because you got to make all the guys feel, you know, still manly about drinking their their true, skinny true. man rosé. You pack it in sawdust. <laughs> <laughs> but when when you were shooting uh, Beyond Skyline, I mean, Frank, during that time, he was becoming an international superstar, right? Because I think Wolf Warrior 2 in China is the highest grossing film they've ever had. And 
that starred him. Uh, yeah, the it, Avengers movies. It, he's he's it was, in those. So what was it like? It was a unique. Uh, it was a unique time, and I I kind of thought we had missed our window because um, I I really loved him in Warrior, and um, actually before that it was um, The Gray. And and Warrior uh, were kind of I think those were both maybe 2011 and that was I was like oh you know I just felt like he kind of was was perfect for th- this role I had in mind but I hadn't well, I just had a treatment for for Beyond at that point and so around 2013 I really started you know uh, trying to finish the draft and and then 2014 you know the Purge Anarchy came out at the beginning of the year and we were going to go out to cast that summer so I, uh, I I like went and saw that movie and was like oh you know there's even some kind of similarities in that first act where it's like a group of survivors moving through the city so I was like well we may have missed our window but you know lo- let's let's go for it and uh, you know wrote him a letter and we we made the offer to him and and he was uh, he was like well this this feels like it's in my wheelhouse uh, let's talk and we we did a Skype and kind of talked about different movies and different inspirations and and uh, and it was kind of like he's a very east coast guy I, I grew up um, in a in a small town outside of uh, like 45 minutes south of Boston I went to BU it's a very tri-state school there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Long Island and uh, and New Jersey buddies that uh, that I met there along the way, so I, I was fairly comfortable with the, uh, the the New York vibes of of Frank, and uh, and then you know everything that he said about the script and uh, was great. It was all this kind of really good grounding advice that, uh, especially in the first act, and so uh, I turned around some pages based on his notes, and uh, and then we kind of uh, we were off to the races. Amazing. Yeah, I, I didn't think about this until I was saying the thing about Wolf Warrior 2. But yeah, he, fil- he filmed that afterwards. So he had done it like 2014 was kind of this crazy year for him because he had Captain America Winter Soldier and Purge Anarchy coming out like within a few months of each other over that summer. And uh, and so that's why I was like, oh, I, I guess we, we missed our window. But, you know, we... Um, we we kind of actually hit right when was perfect because then after us uh he did wolf warrior and and um and what was the uh, and then of course uh you know civil war and a bunch of other stuff he had his tv show uh kingdom and then uh the netflix show that he did um which i you know the inspiration of that was I don't know if they've ever said it out loud, but it was uh, pretty much, you know, him working out with Eco in Indonesia because like the first day that he got to the gym and there no, you know, half the guys didn't really speak English and it didn't matter. Everybody, you know, kind of immediately spoke the same language of, of fighting and that kind of became their TV show. Yeah, he's I mean, he's one of those guys, you know, like the rock before him. He could just come in and save a fledgling franchise. Those <laughs> Captain America movies. Yeah. They weren't going to make money without him playing Crossbones, you know. No, yeah, it was, yeah. he really turned that whole God that whole endeavor him. around. But I, it was actually really awesome, uh, and I, I sent him an email afterwards because uh, I didn't know that him and Callan, um, who was in Beyond Skyline, were going to be in Endgame. You know, I'd heard like a little bit of rumblings, but I was like, I don't see how that makes any sense. And then I, I thought their scene was was actually one of the best parts of the movie, so it was really cool. Yeah, I was surprised Robert Redford showed up 
too. Yeah, he's in that that sequence. Yeah, that's because his. I I kind of feel bad for Robert Redford though. I know that sounds like a weird thing to say. You feel bad for Robert Redford. Well, look, he's had a tough career, his... had a tough go of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing's panned he looks out for like him. Shit. <laughs> I know, but. But was it his plan to have his last movie be that David Lowry movie, The Old Man and the Gun? And then Marvel just puts him back into the Mar- – so now it's not his last movie anymore? I don't know. I thought that I – thought, for some reason I thought his plan was to go out on that David Lowry movie. You're right. No, that was his plan. But now it's the, the highest grossing movie ever made. So he fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. he took. See, that's why I'm saying I feel bad for him, man. <laughs> that's too funny. Um, shit, now I forgot what I was really going to say. Oh, yes. Uh, I didn't hear this in any of your prior interviews, but, um, can you tell me a little bit about getting Antonio Fargus into, uh, the film? Oh, yeah. Bear, I would man. love to, ta- I would love to talk about it. I would love to talk about it because it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, so Matthew Chouse, who's the producer of Beyond Skyline and the producer of Part 3 Skylines, uh, so he kind of came on um, because I met him on another project that we were going to do with Hydraulics. And so his influence is, is kind of across the board in the movie, and especially, I think, in the casting, is he was really pushing us to, 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 to you know, always be you know, pushing with the level up on casting. And trying to get, uh, you know, great actors across the board. And it just so happens that Antonio is his stepfather. Uh, And so uh, it's, I guess, visually not that hilarious. But Matthew is a a very white individual uh, from uh, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, with like kind of a quasi-mass accent, Rhode Island accent. Except his natural father is from France. So then he'll like start speaking very fluent French around you, and you're like, oh, that's pretty impressive. And then he's like, Antonio Vargas is my stepdad. You're like, wait, we're just <laughs> just fuck? slow down. Just slow down. What? And he's like, yeah. Like, you know, I was like, I, I watched him, you know, rehearse for I'm going to get you sucker. And I was like, you know, Pops, what are you saying down there? I could hear him saying all these swears, and you're just like, wow, your life is, uh, is, is just kind of, you know, almost – unreal um but then you know of course he was perfect for sarge antonio lives in in las vegas so he flew out and uh and met with us for a little bit and it was just like this is uh this is incredible this would be great and it, you know he it was like he was like like he was auditioning and it wasn't like dude there's no audition you know it's if you want to do this this is awesome and uh, and of course, like those little, um, you know, you bitches ain't leaving me. That was that was stuff that that he, you know, would pitch me, and uh, and brought to it. And uh, and so then, of course, once he kind of, um, you know, broke that barrier, we just kind of gave him more curses and 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 funny kind of one liners that whenever we felt it was appropriate. That's wild. Yeah, one of the one of the funniest things I've seen in any movie spoof or otherwise is when he in i'm gonna get you sucker when he's walking down the street and it's almost like that john travolta saturday night fever where he's feeling you know really big on himself and he's got a strut that people start pointing and laughing at him and then the camera's pulling back and then you see he's dressed like a ridiculous you know pimp in the 70s like huggy bear style um yeah with the, the goldfish running. in the shoes yes the and he starts running with the goldfish <laughs> in the shoes and they break 
I got to watch that with him in uh, in Chicago at at Cinepocalypse, uh, which was a, a real treat. They they gave him a lifetime achievement award when we when we played oh, there wow. in two thousand seven. Teen, uh, wow. and I got to walk around Chicago with Antonio, which was kind of just amazing, because you know he's just uh, he's just got fans from from all of these different generations, and and he's just such a cool guy uh, that that you know very approachable and enjoys you know interacting with people. So it was it was a really awesome weekend. You know who else got the lifetime achievement award at Cinepocalypse in Chicago? Liam O'Donnell. Eric, Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts. That's right. That was the same year. That was the same year. That was the first year. We oh, were, was it? Yeah, I missed the other Liam O'Donnell by like a few hours because they they <laughs> did their screening the day before I got there, and then like two ships oh, passing man. in the night. They they tell that story, and it's it oh it, it makes me so jealous because they went out to lunch with um, Eric Roberts and Larry Cohen. That's right. That's, that's right. Uh, I had, That's what they did. I had, the a, I had a great dinner there with like Joe Carnahan, and of course he was like, "Oh, you work with Frank," and then he called Frank, and you know we talked on the phone. And it was so it was it's a great. Like I said, these festivals are they're just kind of like there's nothing else like it, and especially if you can get one like that where the the guys behind it are so cool. Uh, it's 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 a real pinch me moment. When when you have a moment with someone like Joe Carnahan and you're like a film fan yourself, do you ever ask them about all those projects that you know were like rumored? Because Joe Carnahan's one of those guys that is like always rumored for these big things, and he has like such integrity that if something isn't going the way he wants it on the project, he'll just straight up walk away from it instead of um, you know conceding. So didn't he for years develop Death Wish with Frank Grillo in mind? Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I actually had talked to to Frank about that at one point too, just because I had read the script like a year or two before I reached, got to know them, and I, I like ran after I read it, I loved it so much, I just tweeted at Joe and was like, I "Fucking love that script." Um, but I didn't, I didn't really, I don't remember talking about that. I, the funniest thing is we were, of course, I think we were just, you know, fucking shitting on Trump for most of the time and, and kind of going back and forth about what uh, various old timey venereal diseases he probably has. Uh, <laughs> and then, um, you know, it, you know, he's just a very outspoken guy about his opinions and uh, on, on other movies. And I'm kind of like, uh, who the fuck am I? So he would just be like, yeah, but that movie sucks. Right. And I'd be like, um, I, I can't say anything at this table. You know what I mean? So that was like, you know, he's just so boisterous and, uh, and such a, you know, a, a kind of, a, a a real fun hang at a, at a big dinner table like that. It kind of commands the table. So I was just kind of like, uh, along for the ride. Yeah, he's he's something of a icon to me though, because he came from Northern California. I think he's Sacramento. That's right. I mean, I'll I'll call it. Yeah. So when he made Blood Guts Bullets and Octane in like ninety seven, ninety eight, I think that was that was a big deal because they would always be writing it up in papers and talk about you know Northern California filmmaker, and so it was really cool to follow um, him over the years and. Yeah, yeah. I remember. But, uh, I remember like randomly reading. I think it was an Entertainment Weekly article about uh, Narc, and he just like was saying crazy shit in it back then, where he's like he, he's on the set with Jason Patrick, and he'd be like, "You'd be a bigger star if you did this more often." And I was like, that was making the blurbs of their press. And I was like, "Wow, this guy is just you know does not give a fuck," which is 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 what I've always admired about him. 
Yeah, that's why Cruz swept him up because he wanted him to do uh, Mission Impossible Three. I know, I know, and they I, they worked. They, it's like a, apparently, you know, one of the like you said, he has all these projects in his garage, like these big boxes full of stuff that just didn't happen. So. But it's, I mean, it's so wonderful, though, because I think that Blood, Guts, Bolts, and Octane is like a $10,000 movie or something. It might even have been less. But, you know, I look at someone like that, and I'm like, whoa, that's that's definitely, you know, who I at least aspire to be, or, you know, that's all I got. Yeah, so. and, that, and it's not to say, like, poor Joe, like, he's done very well for himself. And uh, right, they've got yeah. they've got boss level. Him and Frank have boss level uh, coming out, uh, I believe, early next year, which is a, a really big budget for an, for an indie movie. It's a it's a massive budget um, and kind of a high concept edge of tomorrow. If we're going to bring things full circle, uh, kind of um, Groundhog Day sort of thing with with Frank being the lead. So uh, looking forward to that one. Um, so let's let's get into. The ending of Beyond Skyline, I guess spoilers if you haven't watched Beyond Skyline, but that's on you. It's on uh, Netflix. You can watch both. Yeah. Actually, both are on Netflix right now, uh, so no excuses. Or you could buy it on Vudu, and then they'll uh, they'll kick our man Liam O'Donnell, hopefully some extra scratch. No, I get um, I get nothing. It's fine. You get nothing? <laughs> you're just, you're paid in full? <laughs> Pretty much, um, yeah. So uh, before the show, you were talking um, – we were talking about that time jump at the end of Beyond Skyline um, with the uh, Captain Rose character and how you had come up with that as a coda because people were uh, confused about the ever-growing baby. Yes. So you wanted to you want to tell that story real quick? <laughs> yeah. So, um, like, like you know, the the film is uh, is is a very kitchen sink movie, and it just gets it just ladles on the crazy as it goes. And, uh, and so we, we finished the movie and we did a test screening of it. And, you know, one of the things people asked a lot was what happened to the little girl. Cause the, the original cut of the movie pretty much ended, um, where the battle ends uh, at the temples in the current cut. Like they, they kind of all got together. He named the, he gave the girl, the little girl, the name of his, uh, deceased wife, Rose, and they walked off into the distance and then we pulled up credits and we did our, our blooper reel. That was it. And that was a little bit of reaction to the first movie having such a big cliffhanger ending that I was like, I just don't want to attempt fate. I just want to have, you know, the good guys win and they walk off into the sunset. Uh, and of course, um, because this is a sequel, it's not the first movie. People say, well, what what happens next? It's a sequel. What's the next sequel? And uh, And a lot of them wanted to know more about the the little girl character. So it was like, okay, I scratched my head. We did a bunch of different mock-ups. We tried some things. Um, and then I, I really kind of was like, okay, if, if I'm going to shoot something else on this, and this movie's already such a big genre match, I got to just bring in a completely different genre again. <laughs> and so uh, that's how I came up with the bookends um, that, you know, her being on the ship and that we were going to just go out on kind of a big, crazy Star Wars type of scene. That uh, it's just like I, I dare you not to smile at this. So, um, so that that little scene um, that you know opens the film has a little bit in the middle, and then at the end we we get a big battle with uh, with Captain Rose and uh, the Trent character, who's uh, was played by Johnny Weston, but then turns into an alien played by Jeremy Fitzgerald. So we have the two of them kind of taking it to the the aliens in a in a space battle with a big explosion. 
So that's just kind of a that was a day shoot that we did almost almost two years after wrapping the movie, and uh, you know, flash forward a few years, that becomes the entire basis of of the latest sequel that we just finished filming, and this kind of character that. Like I said, you're ladling on all this weirdness, trying to figure things out as you go. She's like this, you know, someone that I have to kind of really examine and and try to figure out how to build a narrative around this sort of superhero who's also, you know, kind of disabled in a way. And she's diseased and she's dying and she's dealing with all this, uh, you know, strange uh, parentage. Uh, both of her parents die in the second movie, but she's you know kind of has an adopted father in Frank Grillo's character, and uh, and her so her stepbrother is an alien, and she's kind of half alien. So it just ends up being oh, wait. Like, there's your title. There's your title. Yes, my stepbrother is an alien. Yeah, that's it. It, it is. It is. It, they, they're kind of the heart of the film, um, and something I, I'm I, I, I lo- they're like my favorite. My favorite thing. I love. I love being able to pull off a scene with an actor and just someone in the suit who can't even really talk. It. It just feels like a magic trick, and it, it's so much fun filming it. So, uh, yeah. So that that's that's the 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 first lines of of, of skylines are like. Um, it's complicated. Like that, that's kind of really where we have to start and and sort of. Uh, ground everything, simplify it, and then we build it back up. But it's definitely like that's my I laugh about uh, being called a trilogy because it's really a series, and uh, I, I'm I'm no George Lucas. I had no master plan, but uh, I'm just having fun as I go. There you go. And when uh, when do you think we can look forward to Skylines? Uh, it's supposed to be Christmas 2020. So I'm uh, I'm ed- oh, wow. I'm editing um, the director's cut uh, right now. Um, with a really talented guy named uh, Barrett Heathcote, who is uh, Duncan Jones's editing uh, partner uh, for a lot of his projects, oh, wow. and so yeah, yeah, it's been it's been really cool so far. So it's uh, it's just one of those things where you know um, you just have to do it a lot, and I felt like the first time uh, was such a, a kind of trial by fire, and then having going in and kind of knowing what I needed a lot more uh, for this movie and, and having done portals in between was a big help as well. Just kind of really figuring out um, how to, how to attack and plan things uh, for the edit uh, in a smarter and more efficient way. So let's talk about uh, portals, Um, not to give anything away, maybe tease it for us. As long as I can see your face, we're safe. Look out! 911, what's your emergency? 911, what's your emergency? 911, what's your emergency? 911, what's your emergency? You've been warned that these things are dangerous. Ma'am? Side and back. 
anthology film. A couple of the segments were directed by uh, past and future guests. Um, I saw Eduardo Sanchez did a did a segment. Yeah, Eduardo right. Sanchez and uh, Greg Hale uh, did a, did a, uh-huh. a really cool segment called Call Center, and that's pretty much kind of the first act. Uh, of the movie is that uh, you know these these portals start showing up around the world and these people are at a nine one one dispatch center and then one of them shows up right in the middle of the dispatch center, so that that kind of kicks things off uh, properly. Yeah, and this is um, similar production team, right? To um, what what was it? A VHS. Yeah, it's uh, you know Brad it Brad Miska Brad from Miska? Bloody Disgusting. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he he was kind of the guy who came up with the the VHS concepts and was behind all those. And uh, and Chris White is his uh, producing partner who came up with the concept for Portals. And but it was really unique. Like my situation in this was very unique because they had shot these two seg- sequences: uh, Eduardo and Greg's call center, and then Timo's uh, is called Sarah. And that one uh, it takes place in in mainly in a parking garage in Indonesia. Uh, which is uh, really, really incredible. A lot of great in-camera uh, effects and, and really cool tricks to make it all mainly appear like it's one cut. Um, his segment his segment in VHS 2, the one he did with Gareth uh, uh, Evans, Safe Haven, that is the most nuts like short film I've seen. Like, And it's still been, what, six, seven years? Yeah, I think it's still the craziest. Um yeah, VHS two is awesome, and I, I really liked uh, yeah. I really liked the last segment on that, the sleepover one. Um, who I'm? Oh, that one's really yeah. good. The Jason Eisner. one. Yeah, that one was awesome. Yeah, um, that's really cool. But yeah, so yeah, and, and I I'd gotten to know Timo um, because of Beyond Skyline, um, working with Eco. Uh, be, you know, got to uh, they had been working on the original iteration of the Night Comes for Us before we got there, and it actually that iteration fell apart which is why they were available when we were there to do Beyond Skyline. And so they showed me some of the choreo that they had been doing for Night Comes For Us. And I was like, I got to read this script. And they're like, we'll talk to Timo. So he, he sent me that script and, and I loved it, of course. And I talked to him and we did, it didn't end up working out that we worked together on that, but it was just be, kind of became friendly and we would, uh, you know, support each other on social media and stuff. And we ended up finally meeting, Back in 2017, when I went uh, to kind of support the Beyond Skylines release over there, and uh, and we been kind of looking for stuff to keep working together on, but um, yeah. So for this one, they gave me they, they I I saw those two sequences, and uh, they kind of didn't have the rest of the movie, and they were like, well, and and they had budget issues and and a real scheduling crunch, and so like, can you kind of write the rest of the movie? So it wasn't a typical. Uh, anthology where um, I guess if it, if it was probably a typical anthology, we would have had like probably five segments that were 20 minutes. But in this case, they're like, can you basically write half the movie and like interweave it around these other finished segments and for not a lot of money? So it was a, it was a really big uh, challenge, like writing challenge. And then of course uh, directing on the day, cause it was like a, a six day shoot for almost 40 pages, um, which was, you know, I, I know indie filmmakers that can do way more than that. But for me, that was the most I'd ever done. So it was, it was definitely like, uh, okay, you know, no, no, no fucking around. There's not going to be anybody that sweeps, sweeps in and like saves the day. If I, 
if I screw up and I don't make my days, you know, there's no, there's no one kind of bailing me out. I've really got to, got to nail this. So, uh, that, that, that was a good, you know, just, uh, challenge in itself. And then I just had, had to figure out how to, you know, create some type of compelling narrative that was going to last that long, um, and, and kind of bridge all these things together. And so I decided to, to just go really personal and make something that uh, it always horrified me because I, I lost sight in my right eye when I was around four or five years old. I had an optic nerve glioma. And so I, I just had this character who who's kind of lost sight. And I, I the thing that I hated the most as a kid was all of those exams that they would put the light in your eye. And you're like kind of leaning back and the eye is drying out. And it's just, it's a miserable experience. And I, <clears throat> my parents used to always be like, you are so rude to the doctor and it's not appropriate. <laughs> and so like, I finally got to make a movie where the patient uh, turns the table on those, uh, those eye doctors that, that torture these poor kids. So this is more of a, a horror movie then. The, the the poster looked a little sci-fi-ish, but uh, it's definitely horror? it's definitely sci-fi and and cosmic horror. But it's it's de- yeah, it's uh-huh. a horror movie. I mean, it's like cool. Um, the, these things come and and they make people do bad things to themselves and each other. And that's day and date, uh, August twenty or October twenty fifth. Excuse me. That's correct. Cool. So just in time for uh, Halloween. Just in time for Halloween, Looking which is like we that. we shot it in um, in May, like our segment in May. Oh wow! And there's uh you know there's like two hundred and fifty VFX shots, and and we finished it like you know in August. It was uh it was a real crazy endeavor, and that was while I was over in uh, in Lithuania doing Skyline. So I I had a really great team. Of uh, one, I'll just shout out Justin Martinez, who uh, used to be one of the members of Radio Silence. Um, so he's a he's a real filmmaker himself. He did all the VFX uh, for the Radio Silence segment at the end of the first VHS, and he did all the VFX in uh, in Southbound, the uh, the other anthology that Bloody Disgusting mm-hmm. did. And so, like, I mean, just having a real filmmaker to work uh, on your VFX is like the greatest gift ever. Like, it was. There were, there wouldn't have been an option to do revisions with our budget and our schedule, but luckily it was like every shot. I was like, final, 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 final. Keep going, keep going. You rule. You're saving this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I just always want to make sure I, I, I kind of call him out because he is the the MVP of the film without a doubt. Yeah, and again, that segment in VHS is nuts. In that first one, the radio silence segment, it's amazing. It looks it authentically looks like it was shot in '96 or whatever that timestamp uh, is. Uh, it, it was phenomenal. Yeah, he's 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 incredible. Uh, and and yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm very proud of the movie and and it's. Uh, it's going to be an interesting thing. I think anthologies, you know, are we're kind of doing a different, uh, a little bit of a different spin on it because we have a, you know, a spine that we kind of keep going back to, and uh, and we have kind of even then we have some extra little bookends and a and, and a little uh, mid credit scene that was added towards the end by another filmmaker, uh, Has Delul from uh, from London, who did. A movie called uh, the the Beyond on Netflix as well. So we kind of just added a little bit of a different style to do some scope and set up in the beginning. It's kind of doing the beginning and end credits, and then that evolved into another little uh, little cosmic horror piece of uh, of mutilated wow. people. 
Um, so yeah, this is definitely the most. Cool. This is the goriest thing I've done, I'd say, and it's definitely uh, the most horror uh, thing I've done. Well, welcome to the club of horror filmmakers, <laughs> too, sir. <laughs> well, look, we we rip brains out. We rip brains out and uh, and harm uh, harm uh, you know pregnant women on alien ships. So I, uh, I'm not I'm not innocent. Oh, you're not without your flexing. No, right. I, I know. I see. <laughs> but uh, before we get out of here, what are you? Uh, what are you doing for Halloween? You have any plans? How do you celebrate? I have three children. Uh, I have a ten-year-old mm-hmm. boy. I have a six-year-old uh, girl and a, and a and a three-year-old girl. So I go trick or treating. Um, last year. We took or treat around the neighborhood, and I pulled out the uh, Beyond Skyline alien helmet uh, to hand out candy, uh, and people were just like, "What the hell is that?" Because um, it, it it's just a you know at a, at a slightly different quality than the uh, the normal uh, Halloween Halloween mask. So that was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, sometimes we'll my wife and I will will go out with friends uh, or or go to a party with friends, but. I really just enjoy uh, trick or treating with the kids, but the best part is is handing out candy uh, at the house, without a doubt. Sure. Do you, do you dress up at all? I kind of yeah. It's either with one of those things or like uh, if my they my kids were wanted to all be pirates one year, so we did uh, we did some pirate stuff. I don't have anything planned for this year. Um, there, hmm. my my son, uh, my daughter is into like uh, the Descendants, so she's going to be a Maleficent's daughter. Uh, my other, do- my youngest wants to be a cat, um, and my son is going to be the Kraken. So I don't know. Maybe I'll just dust off the pirate outfit, and he can uh, <laughs> eat me uh, on the lawn in front of everyone. That that would maybe be the the appropriate uh, attire. I'm excited uh, for this year. I'm going to just be a basic bitch, and I, I want to be Leo DiCaprio in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when he's wearing the the um, uh, bathrobe and he's got the, the pitcher full of margaritas and he's yelling at the hippies with his cigarette. I think that, that, that's all it, that that's sounds all pretty right on. That sounds pretty great to me. Yeah. I don't think you need – Just uh, walk up and down the street, yeah. call everyone a fucking hippie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't have to couch that as basic. I think that that's pretty – pretty next level you don't you don't think hello Pe- you don't think a lot of people are gonna be like doing a once upon a time in hollywood cosplay well sure if you're if you're going into you know the city but like you know i, I live in like the south bay i'm like outside of la it's uh it's it's a little south of lax and, and hawthorne so like if you wore that here you'd probably be the only person but then you know you go right. you go into Hollywood and you'd be you know, yeah it'd be like the the Spider Man meme where you're turning around the corner and everybody's got the same costume on. Fine, I'll come to your house for Halloween, Liam O'Donnell. Jeez. For sure, for sure. <laughs> but um, well, this is great. Thank you for uh, for calling in and uh, chatting for a little bit about your your projects and um, a- yeah, what a treat. Thank you, man. Absolutely, thank you for having me anytime. Anything else you want to plug or mention? I, I think we covered it, though. I think we covered it. Um, but, yeah, Portals is uh, – we're premiering uh, tomorrow at Beyond Fest, so hopefully that goes great. Ooh. And uh, and then after that, yeah, it's on uh, – uh, in uh, probably be about 10 theaters across the U.S. for a week. That's the limited release, and then but we'll be a VOD everywhere. And we are going to have a DVD and Blu-ray, which is kind of exciting. So we'll be uh, – We'll be at Walmart's in uh, in a little nice. bit as well, so that's always a treat in this day and age. So uh, 
yeah, I'm just really excited about that. And then Skylines is not till next year. But, uh, you know, hopefully if you follow me, uh, if you're interested in that stuff, follow me on Instagram and stuff. I'll, I'll post random shit, I'm sure, within the next year and, and tease some stuff out and have some fun. And you're on Twitter at Liam Odin. That's is right. That right. That's right. Yeah. Same, cool. same as well, thank you so much for coming on to the Splat House. Um, it was lovely talking to you, sir. You, t- you as well. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. People of planet Earth, who will save you now? You've had your fun, but the clock is... Winding down Yeah, even though you are sexy And wear fancy clothes We've infiltrated your stupid government How? How could this happen? You ask It was How you say Not very hard, actually Yes.